0: lockdown
1: our daily podcast to keep you sane during the chaos
0: 21 days 21 professionals plus 14 35 days 35 professionals
1: to keep you sane during the lockdown extended
0: edition Hello and welcome to Day 31 of our podcast and Day 31 of Lockdown. My name is Kirsten Farquharson and with me, the incredible Danielle Dutoy. Today we have
1: an absolutely amazing guest. It is a real privilege to have her on the show. Dr. Leslie Carew is a registered child and adolescent psychiatrist practicing at the Netcare Christian Barnard Memorial Hospital in Cape Town with a satellite sessional room at the Akiso Malmerton. She did her postgraduate studies in psychiatry and child and adolescent psychiatry at the University of Cape Town, and she has practised as a child and adolescent psychiatrist since 2000. The practice covers the assessment and management of a broad range of pediatric onset psychiatric disorders, including mood and anxiety disorders, ADHD and learning disorders, autism and behavioural disorders. Dr. Carew has an interest in psychological conditions co-occurring with medical disorders, and completed a master's thesis on the experience of adolescents living with cystic fibrosis. She has provided services to the Burns Unit, Pediatric ICU, and Renal Units of the Red Cross Children's Hospital in Cape Town, and she has a vast amount of experience at the Educational Psychology Unit at the University of Stellenbosch. She's a board member of the Alternative Care Panel of the Child Welfare Society. Um, Dr. Kuru, what an extensive bio. It is such a privilege to have you on our show with us today talking about childhood depression. Thank you for being with us.
0: Pleasure.
2: Thanks for inviting me.
0: Shucks, Dr. Kuru, that is such an extensive bio. We are so honored to have you and we're so honored to hear and so excited to hear what you have to say today. Could you please start off by telling us a little bit more about what is depression in childhood?
2: So, um,
0: childhood depression
2: is something quite distinct from children who might be feeling sad or lonely and um, it's also not children who are looking for attention as, or being manipul- manipulative as is sometimes thought, but it's a very distinct entity and um, when, we, when we diagnose it, it is something that we take quite seriously and it, we, it usually happens in children where there is a family history of mood disorders. And what we see is that there's a change in mood, and it's not just a child who would be sad and withdrawn, but it may also be a child who's presenting with a lot of irritability. So sometimes your boys who are very angry and irritable may be so because they have an underlying depression. And uh, but along with the mood, there need to be changes in other in other areas, such as a change in sleeping patterns, a change in appetites, a change in energy levels. And the children often also um, may be feeling, um, they may, th- may experience changes in concentration. Um, they may be feeling quite worthless and feel like they're a burden to the family. They may feel responsible and have feelings of guilt around um, an event that may have caused the depression, such as parents spitting up or something like that. The children might also have death thoughts. And in some cases, uh, children might also be expressing Um, suicidal ideation. So it is something that we do take quite seriously. Sometimes when children say they wish they were dead, people might think it's attention seeking, and yes it is, and that it's a signal for distress. So whenever there is a low mood or an angry mood, and you do see a child who's sleeping too little or too much, eating too little or too much, and there's a change in their concentration patterns, we do need to think about mood disorder. Especially if there have been events in the family that may have um, caused the child to be struggling to adjust to what's going on in their life. And if there is a family history of mood disorders. Sure. I
1: think, you know, just explaining it in a way that is is really accessible for, for parents is, is so important because it's not only about the low mood, but also about the irritable mood. So I think you explaining that to us as well as the guilt that they might be experiencing is going to be very, very important for, for listeners to 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 think about. How might childhood depression present during lockdown?
2: So the thing that that is actually going to present more commonly in lockdown is anxiety um, and uh, amongst parents as well as children. And this is the thing is that disorders don't usually present on their own. It's not like um, children will just present with a depression. So they'll often first present with anxiety and the children more at risk for the, the mood disorders will be those who've had a pre existing condition, such as anxiety, children who struggle with separation, um, children who have um, pre existing ADHD or a learning difficulty. The other thing is the children who have, you know, perhaps if there's been a lot of family difficulty, if a family member's been ill or if there's been um, a bereavement, if somebody significant has passed away in the preceding months, or if there's a family member who's ill or at risk, Um, you know, children might also have lost their support system. Um, Some children, if there's a lot of trouble at home, may have relied on seeing a grandparent regularly or have a trusted soccer coach or relied on support from their peer group. And being in isolation and being away from significant figures who provided that security for them might suddenly cause them to, to not be able to, to contain their feelings and feel safe and secure anymore. But even when the children are within a very safe and secure environment, those kind of worries and, um, that they're experiencing might just be just a little too much and they can be pushed from anxiety into depression where children are feeling really overwhelmed and and go into a state of hopelessness. And then, you know, they may then start with meltdowns. So, you know, in the last four weeks with us all switching over to um, telehealth and doing virtual consults, what parents have been saying to me is um, children who I've known for quite a while and who've maybe been doing really well, Going into lockdown, what has happened is that there's been a resurgence in emotional meltdowns where children are just really struggling with those feelings that have resurfaced. Um, And then also children becoming very withdrawn or having sleeping difficulties. So um, that is what we're seeing is the irritability, maybe some aggression and the sleep disturbances.
0: Thanks for that, Dr. Kuru. When children are in this state, what are some coping mechanisms that parents could use with their children to to help them? So the first thing is
2: that you know parents need. On the whole, I want to say that the families that I've been in contact with have been doing really well, um, and under the circumstances, I've really been impressed with how families are doing. And I think you know it's. Um, a shout out to people like yourselves and to other colleagues, because I think it's been incredible how mental health professionals have been so proactive in reaching out and providing support and how um, families in our areas have really been willing and and open to accessing support that is out there. And it's so nice to see um, you know, part of me having a bio is that I've been around for so long and it's been lovely to see that over the last 20, 30 years that there is less of a stigma associated with mental health. But I think the important thing is that parents need to start by looking after themselves. And if parents are addressing their own anxiety, if they are taking care of themselves, if they are you know, creating structure and routine within the home and providing age appropriate information for the children, Looking at good sleep routines, nutrition, um, and if they're taking care of that, then we are going to find that the the, ch- the children are going to to be to be doing better um, than, than if the parents are not, you know, taking care of themselves and and parenting and providing parenting and support um, for for their children. So um, on my website, um, I've. I've got a whole lot of guest blogs I reached out to colleagues who I've worked with over the years and asked them to contribute um, a series of um, pretty much as you've been doing with the podcast but I've asked people to contribute tips for, for families in this and you know pretty consistently it's been things like providing that structure being available to your child and doing things like breathing, mindfulness exercises, and there is a lot of information out there for parents to, to help support their children um, in those times, in these times, yes
1: those blogs on your website are such an incredible resource and I would really encourage listeners to go have a look. I mean, there are such incredible practical strategies that individuals can implement at home. And it's also so encouraging hearing that that stigma that you've been speaking about has started to change over the past 20 years. And also that families have been doing well during this time with the increase of Sort of psychological support and things like that, Dr. Karu. Are there any warning signs parents should be mindful of, or when should parents seek clinical support? So when things are are not going so well at home.
2: So what I've seen with families uh, is when that the child is not responding to that reassurance and support, when they're becoming increasingly withdrawn, and um, uh, you know, I think parents really need to trust their instincts. And when their child is becoming more withdrawn, they're not coming through to family meals, it's really difficult to, to, to get them to participate. Um, and, and also, you know, children are saying to me that they're using their social media and their gaming as a way to escape their feelings. Um, so when the child is, is increasingly escaping into the world of gaming and, so, and social media, Although the child will resist attempts to be brought back into the real world, it is important to do that because it's, it's, it's not a healthy way for the child to be dealing with, with those feelings and emotions. So while they might appear animated when they are gaming, um, increase that is a form of withdrawal when they are spending too much time on their devices. The other thing, of course, is aggression, um, when they're not able to modulate that aggression when it's directed towards family members, I mean, if children are becoming aggressive out of, you know, t- towards family members, or if they're starting to become physically destructive within the home, when they're expressing self-harm or when they're starting to, to self-harm, because people are working, you know, I think it was wonderful that the Health Professions Council immediately responded by saying that um, health professionals and particularly mental health professionals could work online, that we could provide Support psychological and psychiatric um, through through virtual consultations, and especially in in the the younger age group, people are very comfortable actually with using technology, and um, children. I found that. And, and, you know, one of the things with training is we do infant observations, Um, you know, people don't realize that in our training, we do do observations to the screen, behind a screen and behind a one-way mirror. So it's not unusual for us to actually have a, a screen between us and a family when we do assessments. So... Um, Yes, uh, we can always arrange and and we have a duty to arrange to have a face-to-face consultation if we feel we really need to before we can proceed. But um, it is possible to do an assessment um, during emergency times when um, people are very concerned. So yes, so behavioural changes that involve aggression, if there's expressions of self-harm, when that social withdrawal is increasing, but really for parents to trust their instincts when they really feel there's something wrong here, to to reach out and get um, professional support.
0: I think that's such a helpful piece of advice for parents that they can trust their instincts. I think parents often are so unsure of themselves. So to hear that to hear that reassurance from you, Dr. Crew, must be very containing for a lot of will be very containing for a lot of parents to know that their instincts still count for something in, in such a world of of insecurity and uncertainty. So thank you for that. Dr. Crew, what piece of take home advice would you want parents to hold on to during the lockdown?
2: I think that, you know, one of the things and what I've seen again with the the families I've been seeing is that most parents and children, most families are really enjoying this time (laughs) Um, because they're making the most of the family time. The fact that they're not taking children to extramurals, that um, everybody is at home. They're using the time to reorganize their space. I think for South Africans who've been used to load shedding, um, we've learned how to dust off those board games, how to communicate, um, and it's it, people are actually re-establishing communication patterns, and um, the children are really soaking it up. I've always said to parents, children need to do chores, and in fact, children have really taken to doing chores during this time, because it's within the context of communication, and families doing it together. It's one thing to be told to do, do, you know, do your chore versus come and help me sort the laundry, parents kind of, you know, a parent and a child being on the same team when it comes to meal planning and preparation, and it's so important to actually be sharing life skills and family history and communication during this time, so, you know, to to make this a special time together and don't sweat the small stuff, it's not about, you know, is your child going to master the complexities of algebra during the online schooling program because you're not a teacher, it's fine, you know. You don't have those skills. Teachers learn, studied to be able to teach the kids that. But what you can do is share what you know. Um, and, you know, I've been heartened by the kids that are baking and so on. So so take this time to be the parent because that's the gift you've actually been given right now. And with whatever we're gonna be facing, um, if we're able to kind of, give our children that sense of family security and strength, then going forward, that is kind of storing up resilience um, in in what it is we're going to be facing in the months ahead. I think that emphasis on
1: reestablishing
2: communication
1: patterns and life skills and just parents and children being on the same team is such valuable advice for listeners. And I think that is very heartening advice. Dr. Carew, thank you so much for your incredible wisdom and insight. We value your expertise and we really look up to you. So it's been an absolute privilege to have you on the show today, exploring childhood depression with us and making it super accessible for listeners at home. So thank you so much.
2: Thank you. I've really enjoyed my time with you.
1: For well, those of our listeners that would like to go and have a look at Dr. Carew's website to access her blog or possibly to schedule an appointment or assessment, you can have a look at www.drlesliecarew.co.za.
0: So that's it for us. We will see you next time on How to Mental Health Lockdown Edition. Stay sane, everybody. We'll check in later. See you soon.